0: When we're really close to something that we've built ourselves, then we have a biased perspective. We're making some assumptions. And so a key aspect of design thinking practices is to have cross-functional teams, pulling in externals, pulling in folks that aren't necessarily who you work with every day, getting different perspectives on role, level in the organization, time, gender, race, all of the diverse perspectives pulled in Help us to test for bias and see past assumptions we might be making that then would be viewed as design flaws.
1: Welcome to the Best Self Management Podcast. I'm David Hassel. And I'm Shane Metcalf.
2: Me and David have been working together along with our co founder Nazar and all the amazing other people that are a part of 15.5 for the last seven years. And we are not the same people that we were seven years ago.
1: One of the things we're a big stand for is like, how do we actually embrace the whole person and understand that can we support someone in thriving in their whole life? And if we do, then they're probably gonna contribute more at work.
2: Your mission is to attract the best talent, retain your high performers, and maximize everyone's potential. Our special guest today is Vanessa Shaw. Vanessa Shaw is founder of The Workplace Lab, design thinking incubator for HR and talent leaders. She supports leaders to bring empathy and creativity into the workplace, whether working with United Nations, military cadets at West Point, or at home in Silicon Valley with tech companies. She helps people answer the question, can my job be an expression of my creativity? Thanks so much for being here with us, Vanessa. Great to have you on the show.
0: Likewise. Thank you.
2: So, you know, let's let's start out with that. I mean, I love this question of can my job be an expression of my creativity? So I think that most people think of their jobs as a job and it's something that you need to do. And maybe if you're lucky, you love your job. But it seems like almost a radical idea that people's jobs can be an expression of their creativity. Can you expand on that and why that is kind of the central question of your work?
0: What it really comes down to is my own experience, right? Like so much of our... What we want to create in the world is what we personally need for ourselves. And then we find connection with others who didn't have that as well. So for me, I am just very creative. I always have been, and I didn't always feel that it was viewed as professional. I like to draw before uh, graphic facilitation and doodling was viewed as, you know, a great way to make a flip chart interesting. Um, I was kind of hiding in the meetings, doodling on my papers, feeling a bit ashamed of that habit of mine that I needed to grow out of it and that it wasn't okay for the workplace. And that's just a small example of how we put this label on creative activities and creative ways of being as something we need to leave behind in our youth and become adults that no longer do those things and now we're lucky i feel lucky to live in a time when the business world does see value in creative thinking creative activities but i still think we have a really long way to go and there's lots of research that i've been following over the years that also links creativity to how we can relieve stress how we can also avoid boredom in our jobs which many of us might be thinking I'm not bored at work. I'm way overwhelmed and stressed, but actually so often what we are experiencing is boredom, possibly in a meeting, feeling like we're wasting time, you know, doiling over spreadsheets that make us feel bored. Um, And we'd love to have some different ways and modalities of working with our colleagues that can really soothe stress. I think of creative practices and processes as a way of like showering off the stress. It, It just instantly heals our brain into a new zone of working. And it also has been linked in the research to experiences of joy. And for me, I want to feel joyful in my career, my workplace with my
1: colleagues. I love it. That's so great. We noticed on your website, there's uh, the, your company is called the human side of tech. And there was a stat from Forrester that said that more than 80% of business leaders surveyed report that their teams are more aligned, focused and productive. And 30% cited higher employee productivity through design thinking. So I'm curious, how does design thinking, can you unpack what design thinking is, first of all? Uh, and then also, how does that relate to that creative experience that you're talking about?
0: Absolutely. So, in the simplest form, design thinking is a creative problem solving method or toolkit. And so, it asks us to utilize creative practices in order to solve problems. And traditionally, design thinking has been used by folks who are building products. So we need to redesign a desk office chair. So let's use design thinking to look at that and then create a new product. But in more recent years, we're seeing it utilized more and more in how do we design experiences, whether we're going to a coffee shop and ordering a coffee, what's our experience of walking into the store placing our order, waiting for our order. That's an experience that we go through and that that can be intentionally designed. Now, a couple years ago, I started thinking about how can we build this into the experience in our workplaces? Can we thoughtfully craft and design the culture? Now it's, you know, buzzword, everyone talks a lot about Culture and design thinking. And I, I like to joke that, uh, you know, if you want to get people's attention, put as many buzzwords in one sentence and create a blog title around it. So here we go design thinking for culture builders, <laughs> um, scaling your culture with design thinking. You can add a few more into the pot. But the way design thinking is connected to creativity is that it asks us to do things in a completely different way. Oftentimes, when we're looking at how do we solve a problem, we start with solving right problem solving well let's try and find a solution and design thinking invites us to look at well let's go upstream up river from the solving aspect and look at do we really understand a problem first and so we need to start with empathy and in order to do that we need to get creative in the way we think about problems at work and relating to each other what I find really powerful for folks listening is that design thinking starts to Shift our culture not after you've implemented the solution you've built through a design thinking process, but as soon as you start implementing it. Because just the shift of thinking, instead of us throwing around solutions and trying to define a problem and then solve it quickly, we're stepping out and saying, Have I really started with empathy? Have I listened? Have I dug deeper into understanding the employee experience as it currently is before I try and shift things? And that in itself is a powerful way of interacting with the employee base in your company.
2: What are some of the big problems or challenges that you're seeing design thinking applied to when it comes to the employee experience?
0: Yeah, there's different ways that you can utilize it. So design thinking often gets confused with agile. I'll just put that out there. So people will ask me, you know, what's the difference design thinking versus agile? Um, You hear agile HR or design thinking applied to HR. And just to clarify it, I look at design thinking as what we use when we want to create something totally new, when we want to reimagine or maybe design the future of work, as everybody's talking about. How do we step out of what we know as, well, this is just the way things are done. This is how we do things. We follow best practices. Design thinking is powerful for that true innovation time of let's completely back out and build from scratch again and see if we can build something we didn't know that we were missing and solve big problems. And then Agile is sort of the implementation, the ongoing management of an initiative. Once things have been prototyped and tested, then kind of implementing it into your company and then looking how you can scale it. That's how I think of how to utilize those two different um, practices and, and toolkits. So give you a specific example, one way you can use design thinking is to explore areas that you're not really even sure what needs fixing. So a couple years ago, Cisco utilized design thinking in order to do a, a hackathon type of thing with their HR community. And they just went and had groups of their HR practitioners come together and talk about what's going on for them, What are they hearing in the employee base? What's coming up in employee feedback, in one-on-ones? What are the trends? And then before setting up sort of the, we're going to fix this aspect of the employee experience, let's just talk high level generally. And then aggregate and kind of brainstorm see what we come up with and then find themes. And what they found was a theme with onboarding. Onboarding was a key pain point that across different functions and departments, it wasn't just HR in this uh, design sprint that they did um, was the theme. And so they said, great, we're going to look at this. Now we've defined what problem area we're going to try and solve for. We're then going to move into creating new ideas, exploring what new possibilities we could have. And then we're going to test those out and prototype before we actually go into implementation. And so that's one way that Cisco uh, utilized this great article about that in Forbes. And then, you know, you can also use it as when things don't go right (laughs) and you think, how can we fix this? And uh, one of the members in my community at the Workplace Lab, she's a VPA of HR. And her team had recently designed uh, new hiring practices and they had gotten it approved by the executive office. They had then gone out and done manager training. The recruiters got trained up, everybody thumbs up. Yep, looks good, we're aligned, let's go. Shortly thereafter, they had a really strategic role they were hiring for and it took more than 180 days. (laughs) So the stress on the team was not great. And what happened was everyone started pointing fingers. Oh, hiring managers aren't doing their job. No, it's HR's fault. No, it's the recruiter's fault. And people were really upset. Of course, the executives were like, where is this really important hire? We've been waiting 180 days. So this is something that uh, this member of our community said, you know, I didn't use design thinking in order to build this initiative. That I thought, okay, Vanessa's always telling us to utilize these practices. So let me use it now and do kind of a postmortem and looking at what happened in the past. And so she asked everybody on the team to take their communication emails, to print out any uh, notes that they had made on the candidates, looking at the two final candidates, so their top people that they wanted to bring in and figure out what happened She blocked out time in a conference room and she had everybody put everything up on a wall and they built out the journey map. So journey mapping is one practice in the design thinking toolkit to look at from start to finish. What's the journey of these candidates? What did they go through? And then finding where were their pitfalls, pain points by doing this, they visually could see collectively as a team where there was weeks between contact, where the handover didn't go well And so in the end, what they found out was it wasn't, of course, any one specific pain point or pitfall. There was multiple along the way. And then they were able to put themselves in teams and figure out how are we going to fix each of those pain points. They pulled in the CEO. They showed them the work they had done, the journey map. Journey maps are really great with executives. It really helps give them a picture and tell a story to get them on board. They allocated more budget and headcount in order to do more training on the the hiring practices and shift the way they were working cross-functionally as a collaborative team.
1: Is this something that typically you would advise like HR specifically to be adopting these practices to create different tracks of employee experience, whether it's, you know, current employees or the hiring process or those types of things, or is it more of a, you know, you engage everybody in the process? Like, how how do you think about that?
0: So traditional practices in HR have looked at building things internally and then rolling them out to the employee base. Right. Right. So this becomes a problem because people don't feel connected to it. We always are really excited about our own ideas and then we introduce it to other people and they can see problems in it. When we're really close to something that we've built ourselves, then we have a biased perspective. We're making some assumptions. And so a key aspect of design thinking practices is to have cross-functional teams, have pulling in externals, pulling in folks that aren't um, necessarily who you work with every day, getting uh, different perspectives on role, um, level in the organization, time, gender, race, all of the diverse perspectives pulled in help us to test for bias and see past assumptions we might be making that then would be viewed as design flaws. Uh, solutions are designed just for one specific type of employee and then other employees are left out. So you can see how it becomes a really powerful tool as we're looking to solve for diversity, inclusion, create organizations um, that facilitate a sense of belonging for more than one type of employee. So that's where I'm really passionate about it because I see how it helps Give us a system to look at that, and how we design our employee practices, our candidate experience practices, to keep that in mind. So the key ingredients here would be the team who's coming up with ideas should be diverse. The type of people that you're testing these ideas with, where you're building prototypes and getting feedback. Um, Again, these are practices that you would utilize. This is a lot of what we talk about in our incubator because there's so many different things that we can use in design thinking that it takes time to learn all of them and adopt all of these. For me, and just to kind of take us into kind of the context of the times we're living in, there's a lot of pressure to reimagine the entire employee experience. Anything from how we pay our employees, how do we reward them, how do we do performance management, Everything is being kind of unpacked and rethought. And that's a bit overwhelming (laughs) to do all at once. So where I advise people is not so much to take this toolkit and use it for every initiative they have, but take maybe a key initiative that you could use it with. Let's say you've got five, you know, big projects for the year you're looking at, pick one and truly apply these practices and see what kind of different results that you can have. Don't try and overlay it into everything. I think of it too, as we've left the last paradigm, the last way of doing things in HR practices And we haven't yet arrived to the next new place. So in kind of nerd speak, they talk about, you know, liminality, which is just, you know, we used to do things one way and we haven't quite figured out the new way we're doing things. I think of it as if we've we've left one island. We were on an island for a long time. We said, you know what, this island doesn't work for us anymore. We're going to hop off and go out on the seas and (laughs) and venture into the unknown. And we're still kind of swimming, you know, between islands. And for me, design thinking has really offered a bit of a uh, a raft to help guide us and hold us and arrive to a new location that we haven't yet gotten to.
2: It's a great metaphor. And I think the old island that we've left was HR's primary responsibility was to build policies and procedures to not get the company sued. To (laughs) to limit liability. Because, you know, typically it's kind of like the employer is not on the same team as the employee. And so we need to design all these ways to prevent that from uh, going south. And certainly I think one of the qualities of the new island that I hope we're all going to be arriving on soon and we're all going to have a great little uh, people and culture party on that island is that leaving so much on the table if that's how you're thinking about it and really how can we design an employee experience that unlocks the potential of your people, right? that is about, hey, let's actually create an extraordinary employee experience so that we can make a positive impact on our people, and that that is going to uh, be reciprocated in their loyalty and devotion and creativity that they pour back into the company. So it seems like design thinking is a, a more sophisticated way of thinking about how to how to create unusually good experiences for our people.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Shane and David, I'm sure you've seen this with your customers too, that, you know, to create an extraordinary employee experience, right? You're like high bar, we're all trying to reach. And I see a lot of really amazing professionals in the HR world working really hard to hit that and feeling overwhelmed by not having all the answers, not knowing what to do, going on online forums, you know, posting questions, who knows how to do this? Who's doing this? Where's the answer? I'm I'm trying to find a quick solution to move quickly. And what I also love about taking this design thinking, sometimes people use the term human-centered design, which is also a nice way to refer to what we're talking about. It's that it gives us permission to not have the answer. And it invites us to be in the learner mindset, growth mindset. That's what we absolutely need to look at problems with fresh eyes to create something completely new. Because if we were experts, we would already have the answer to this. And the other piece that is important is that you involve the employees or as from in design world, they might say you involve the user perspective in all steps of the process. So that would be, you know, the employee would be the user of the organization. You know, your customer, our customers now. This was also a fundamental shift in in our field is viewing the employee as the customer of the organization that we now have to understand their needs and design for them. And uh, design thinking has been used for a long time in customer experience and product where they're selling to customers. So it easily moves over into this domain in uh,
2: people operations. You mean they're not indentured servants and that they should just be grateful (laughs) for getting a paycheck?
0: Right. Yeah. That's on the old island, Shane.
2: Right, right. right. Switching up Mm -hmm. those two. So you work with a lot of organizations and you're seeing a lot of people that are pushing the envelope around culture. And I'm curious, what are you seeing that you think are, you know, maybe some some themes that you would like to see spread through the broader business world? Like what are some of the coolest things happening in culture that you're witnessing?
0: I think the focus on the experience of being at our workplaces and, and how much we're given opportunities to grow. That's where the dialogue is moving and less of, you know, throwing perks and bonuses is, is really shifting to giving people the sense of purpose, giving them space for their own creativity, to develop their mastery of something, um, to feel like they're not a number, that they're a unique, special gift that they have to bring to the world is, is being utilized at the workplace. And that's not an easy thing for us to facilitate. It's not an easy, you know, my whole life journey, those will be questions I'll be looking at, you know, what is my special unique gift and where can I best utilize it? So it's a personal journey, but also something that our workplaces are starting to shift to, to offer us. I think, you know, the tools that you provide absolutely help support that and understand that you know, the, these are fundamental questions all of us as people have about our, our lives and the work we can offer. So that's one thing. And, and um, why, do you,
2: why do you think that is so important? Like, why is that actually critical for businesses to lean into? Like, it's great for the individual. Mm. But why do you think it's important for the businesses?
0: When we're in an office where the people around us feel like I am doing what I'm meant to do in this world. I am bringing my best self every day and I am motivated by others who are committed to that as well. And I am supported to further that. And I am pushed to go further and utilize my precious time that I have being alive to the best way I can. That is an absolutely amazing experience. I hope more of us get to to witness in our workplaces, and our communities, everywhere on the globe, than from, you know, I show up, I get the job done, I execute, I hit my targets, I go home, you know, rinse, lather, repeat. And that is, you know, all this dialogue around engagement and productivity. When we're in flow, when we're feeling we're experiencing our sense of mastery and developing into the best we can be, we produce such better results. We produce things that are actually needed in the world versus just busy work. That's more of the same. That feels inauthentic. I think people are becoming a lot more critical about what they purchase. You can do a lot more research now. you you know, there's a lot of um, you know cheesy marketing tactics that people are pretty smart about and, and don't want to have anything to do with. And and if you really truly I think, get to the core of what your your value is in your, your people and your individual self, then that shines through in your brand and your business. I mean, companies are made of people. So the people, if the individual parts internally are operating at their highest selves, highest being possible, then that's just going to reflect into everything we do. And, you know, I feel like I'm kind of repeating so much stuff that we hear all the time. And, you know, we're still trying to get that, to bring that to life. And I think what, I know, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on this, you know, what, What is preventing us? Like we know the research, we've seen the data, we know this is true. And yet there's still so many organizations and places that are resistant and not shifting. I have my own ideas of what it is, but I would be curious what you think is really preventing that.
1: Well, I think this is an emerging paradigm. Uh, you're speaking, I mean, you could have been describing a lot of the the elements of what we call best self-management, which is encountered to performance management. We believe performance is a byproduct, right? And that it happens as a result of focusing on something else. And performance in this day and age, which is linked to creativity and innovation and, right, it's not about how fast you can type on the keyboard. It's what you produce through that. If you're a writer, it's the quality of the writing. Do you actually reach your audience? If you're a software developer you're writing great code there's a creative aspect to it and when we support people in being and becoming their best selves right and they're in that flow state and they're collaborating and they have healthy relationships with each other and they're they know what their strengths and their gifts are and that's aligned with their role right magic happens right for the individual and for the collective and we're we're seeing that at fifteen we're seeing other companies who are adopting this new paradigm i think to answer your question about what's preventing it Change, I think change takes time. People in culture and society are so ingrained in old ways of doing things, it takes, it takes time for those things to just change out. And I think uh, you know, there's different people who have, I think, a different sense of uh, and willingness to jump onto and into a new paradigm it's safe to do what's always been done. It feels safe to just you know, kind of do what you've always done. And uh, I think as we see more companies who are wildly successful operating in this new paradigm, more and more people will come along. If you think about that mm-hmm. uh, law of diffusion of innovations, if, if you ever read uh, Crossing the Chasm, he talks about you know, the innovators, the early adopters, early and late majority, and the laggards. And new ideas and new paradigms and things move through society per that curve. I think we're still in the innovator early adopter phase. Um, I think we're Mm. nearing the point where we're going to cross the chasm into that early majority, which which is going to be a sea change. I think the old guard is going to turn out, turn over, and people, employees particularly, are going to have so many opportunities to work at organizations that buy into and believe that this is the way to drive high performance and build great companies that the old companies are going to be forced to change because they're not going to be able to compete for talent.
0: I love that. And I want to see that come to life. And that's, you know, why I'm so excited about the work that all of you and the team does at 15.5 because that really helps um, give such tangible tools for us to utilize to get there. And um, just holding out that message that this is where things are heading and this is where things are going. And I absolutely agree. You know, I think, you know, change is hard and it's easy to be stuck in our ways. I think at the fundamental level, you know, a lot of it is just fear. Like, we don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, I think it's going to be way better and way more amazing and and joyful and fun and connected. But,
2: you know, I think I think of one of our biggest leverage points is because we know that it's hard to change the culture of a large established organization. The values are pretty deep in the DNA. You can change, but it's much harder. I think one of our biggest hopes is actually getting these ideas planted in emerging companies, companies that are still malleable, still searching for their identity, that are, are open to, okay, great. If I actually create a solid why and clear values to run my company by, that's actually best for business. And so I think that we can get this design thinking approach to engineering extraordinary cultures into early stage companies. And that is how in a decade, two or three decades from now, we'll have this be the default rather than an exception.
1: Right. And I think, you know, when you mentioned that, whether it's two or three decades, whether it's five decades, it's it's one decade, I'm sure that it is happening. I can see it happening. It's happening faster and faster. And I think for those of us who already see this as the obvious way things should be done and, you know, having to live with the gap of, okay, well, it's it's not the dominant paradigm, but it's so obvious to us that it's the better way of doing things. It's It's a matter of holding the vision standing for it, communicating about it, preaching about it, and having a lot of patience. Trust and patience. Yep. <laughs> um, Vanessa, yeah. so
2: I'm, I'm curious for you, uh, you know, because I, I can see how a people and culture team could take this on, but how could you create more collaboration between the people and culture team and the executive team? You know, I think that that's one one of the things that's always been really great about 15.5 is that as a founding team, we were all aligned on this. We were all clear about engineering an extraordinary employee experience. How can people leaders think about using design thinking to create broader enrollment and buy-in with the executive team?
0: Well, so Deloitte had the human capital report trends that they do annually. And the 2016 report had an entire feature on HR and design thinking, so of course, my heart was so happy to see this. And they did a lot of research and actually found that of this executives interviewed, 97% rated design thinking for HR as important or very important. So we've already got a really high level of buy in from the top. And I really see that because design thinking has been applied into different departments already. So it, it's not a new method. It's just more recently being applied into our people operations, our talent operations function. That's one piece that I think about. Um, there's also you know, the evidence from this, this report showed that teams that were bringing design thinking practices into their HR function were five times more likely to have high levels of engagement amongst their employee base. So again, you can put me back to numbers and data but on kind of a, what methods, what, what, how would you approach this? Again, being able to visually demonstrate design thinking and the, the story of the employee through these visual aspects that are part of a design approach. A really quick example is the talent leader at Airbnb a couple of years ago utilized these practices of putting together a collective brainstorm doing storyboarding where they took the experience of their candidates that were applying. So when they were really ramping up and growing super quickly, you know, the talent team was a little overwhelmed and they were getting a lot of really negative reviews and one you know feedback they got from their um, a candidate was a, uh, you know i've accepted another offer i really wanted to be with airbnb but after waiting for 3 months with no response i had to to move on and you know this was like a top candidate they were really interested in and so those are the stories that will help shift the way we think and so stories coupled with data is what design thinking can offer so You tell a story about the experience, you show the journey they go through, and then you've got data to back it up through other means through, you know, engagement surveys. It adds an additional, I would say it's not some design thinking to me is not so much an additional element of insights, but it gives us some structure to what might seem like a whole bunch of random things. It packages them together through storyboarding, which is easy to connect to. And so storyboarding, for those listening, is more like drawing kind of a comic strip. You've got images of people doing things and you've got a little explanation of what's going on. So it paints a picture. And that would also come from journey mapping, where you've got kind of a timeline that's linear that you can understand more easily. These are ways that you can quickly get your executive team who you might get a 30 minute time to present to them. And, you know, you know, you might be get 15 or 20 minutes sometimes. And these visual storytelling methods that design offers just works really effectively.
2: Okay. So I'm sitting here and I'm feeling two things. One, some inspiration around, oh, okay, cool. How I could probably use more design thinking in plotting out some of the the initiatives for 15.5 this year. And simultaneously, I'm feeling terrified and overwhelmed and like, uh, I have no clue actually where to start with this. So, you know, this is a nice little teaser and and, I think you're selling design thinking well, but where do you go to actually learn how to do it? Like what's the actual meteor trainings that somebody would need to go through to become good at design thinking?
0: Well, so, I mean, I have my workshops and we have our online community, which is our incubator for design thinking, which is exactly to address this, because I had the same question. I said, where can I learn about this? How can I create a community? Because we don't learn these practices very well, if we're all by ourselves in a vacuum. And since these are practices that are somewhat new, it, it, there isn't a huge network already established of other HR practitioners who are applying design thinking. And so we're learning together. This is good, right? So that's how, you know, why I've built the Workplace Lab. But just for our listeners, you know, what I would offer is think about when you hear somebody in a meeting sharing the word idea. I have an idea. Why don't we try this? How about this? That I think of as a trigger word. Idea being a trigger word because an idea is a solution. It's offering a way to solve a problem. We get really stuck with thinking that's where creativity is supposed to live. And how can we invite those people in the meeting to think about, have we empathized with what is currently happening So that we are ready to start coming up with ideas. Are we trying to solve something before we've really sought out to understand it? And so one of the ways I think about design thinking, there's, you know, many visual images, how to map out what is a design thinking process. But there's three key questions we can ask to kind of flow through our design thinking process. So first, we start with what is true. So what is currently true? What, what already exists? Just looking at it with curiosity and understanding. I think of that as like when you go to a new country, you're like, what is this place? What, what is it true about here? What is it like? And then moving into what could be. So that's the ideation, the exploring. Well, how can we look at a whole new way of opportunity here? That's the brainstorming and sky is uh, looking at as high as the sky can go the wild and unlikely ideas and then we come back down to earth and we look at okay what is going to work so the three questions is what is what is true what is currently true what could be and what works so those are three grounding questions to I hope demystify a little bit this body of work that I completely agree can be (laughs) overwhelming so thanks for bringing that up um, is that helpful? I can share yeah, no, super helpful. Too. you know, and I'm
1: thinking back to what you you know your question, answering the question, can my job be an expression of my creativity? And the you know what you mentioned earlier about the importance of having diversity in the teams who come together to do this thinking, you know we talk a lot about one of our core values is maximize our zone of genius. And it's really a recognition that we all have a unique, uh, array of strengths. And, you know, if, even if you do the Clifton Strengths Finder, there's some crazy stat about how infrequent it would be that you'd have the same strengths as anyone else.
2: One in 33 million.
1: Okay, there we go. Uh, or the same in the same strengths in the same order. So, you know, having a diversity of strengths and perspectives where people get to use those as a source of their creativity in this process, I, I would imagine would be fulfilling in, in and of itself, an opportunity for people to express their creativity and create new future possibilities. So I can definitely see the power of that.
0: You know, and also people really love to contribute to what's being created for them. So we're, we're creating culture and we're creating employee experiences for our colleagues. So they want to be a part of that conversation. And when we do interviews and empathize with people and listen to their story, when we then uh, build out a prototype and then check in with them and say, Hey, is this going to work? What do you think? Give me your feedback before I'm rolling it out and launching it in a pilot. They get to help evolve it. And when we've contributed to it, when we've made a part of it, we feel like we want it to be successful.
2: I think that the lesson is people want to be involved, engage your employees in creating the culture, don't have culture be something that, oh, people in culture own culture. hundred percent. I I mean, as a chief culture officer, this is Mm -hmm. something that I'm constantly going on about is that every single person co-creates the culture with us. And so can we create ownership of those processes? Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. We're out of time, but really, really love the thoughts around how we can be designing, how how we can be evolving the
1: way that we create our companies. Absolutely. And is, is there somewhere uh, our listeners can go and, and find more about you and your work?
0: Yes, absolutely. So I'm online as humansideoftech.com. And also on Twitter, I'm Vanessa Shaw on LinkedIn. So I'd love to connect with all of our listeners. Thanks so much. I loved talking with all of you today.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
2: We'd like to thank our guest today, Vanessa Shaw. You can learn more about Vanessa and her human design thinking approach to building culture at humansideoftech.com. That is humansideoftech.com. We'd also like to thank our producer, Counterweight Creative, our executive producer, David Misney, and Stacey Hurst, our guest coordinator. Thank you. You can also visit 155.com forward slash podcast. That's the number 15 and the word five. For more information on today's discussion, additional resources and special offers.